seated. Praise God. makes a lot of about nothing and our focus gets on a lot of things that this has no return to it and we every once in a while have to go back to the fundamentals and the principles and the basics of what really matters amen and so today I want to go back to that foundation of the church, the kingdom of God. Psalms 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head that ran down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down to the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there God commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen. Praise God. That's what I want to talk to you about today is the power of unity. Father, thank you for this word today. Thank you for the worship and the atmosphere. We pray now, God, that you would just bless your word and watch over it, hasten to perform it in each and every one of our lives. And we give you praise and thanks for this in Jesus' name. And amen. Praise God. Unity is the place that God commands the blessing. It's easier to have disunity than it is to have unity. Anytime that you get more than one person together, you have the potential and the ability to have disunity. You can have it uh, just with two people, not agreeing or disunity. Dis means not to respect or not to honor a thing. And so when there is disunity, it means that there is a lack of respect or value on unity and how powerful that it really is. Honor and appreciation is when there is unity. The devil tried to create disunity even in heaven. You would think that someone would not even have a thought or an inkling to try to bring disunity in the place where God himself is. But Satan tried to divide heaven, and you know the story. He said, I will ascend to the heavens. I will be like God, and he makes up all of this prideful act, and the Bible says that he got a third of the angels to believe his lie. He uh, was able to conjure up a third of them that would believe him and believe the lie that he was telling. That means that there was still two-thirds of the angels remaining in heaven. Amen. They were around the throne crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
they were praising God and they were honoring God and his, his power, his omnipotency and, and all of his glory. So two-thirds of them were there. I don't know how many two-thirds of them were, but what I do know is that if God, and I don't know that he did it, but I do know that if God desired to, he could have immediately replaced them. Because God has creative power. And he created the angels in the first place. And so he is able to create more. Now, the enemy, Satan, on the other hand, does not have creative power. Amen. So he is still working today with the same third, the same amount that he was whenever he was kicked out of heaven. Amen. And so what I want you to see is that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the Bible said that there was 12 legions of angels that was available. It doesn't say that that's all the angels there was in heaven, but 12 legions of them were prepared at his beck and cry to come and deliver him from the cross. Now, whenever you think about that, that all Jesus had to do was cry out and 12 legions of angels. How many is 12 legions of angels? Well, when you study it out, most scholars agree that a legion is 6,000. And so if you take 6,000 and times that by 12, then you have 72,000 angels that are ready to, at a moment's notice, to come and rescue Jesus from the cross. Now, let's look at the power of that because the Bible tells us that one angel in one night slew 185,000 men. Now, you times that by 72,000 and you see that the, the, the angels that were ready to respond to Jesus were more than enough to wipe out every man on the known planet at that time. Amen. And so we see that that, that, that is how that the God had his angels ready to go and, and Jesus would not release them. I don't know if God uh, would, would, did take his creative power and cause those angels to be replaced, but I know today that there is a power of angels. And angels are to minister to the heirs of salvation. So we know this today and we know that there's an angelic host and that angelic host is created to fulfill and to minister to the heirs of salvation. So when God, we, uh, was in, when God had unity, there is not enough demonic angels to control what God is wanting to do in the earth. But you see, a lot of people want to make the enemy greater or on the same level as what God is. But the reality of it is there is no match. Amen. The reality of it is, is that he still has the same amount of angels that he's always had. And the only thing that the enemy has a potential or the ability to even have an opportunity to sabotage is if he can get there to be disunity in the body of Christ. Ever since the beginning, there has been a war over unity. Amen. Now I want to go back this morning to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. And the Bible said, So God created man in his own image. 
in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Amen. Notice that God is speaking to both Adam and Eve. He is speaking to them. And he made them male and female. He created them. He blesses them. And he says to them, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Right? And so in Genesis chapter, 20, or chapter 2, excuse me, verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Abraham, Adam, excuse me, and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib of the Lord God had taken from man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. You see, this is chapter 2. But in chapter 1, God is speaking to that which yet has to be manifest in the earth. He is speaking in Genesis 1. He speaks to Adam and Eve. He gives them the mandate to go and to be fruitful, to multiply and replenish the earth. But there is yet to be a manifestation of the woman. There is unity in the man and the woman and even though that God has yet to, to release that into the earth, it is already there. And he was talking to the woman that was still in Adam. He's speaking of unity. And God will sometimes speak to you that which is still in you, but has not been manifest yet in the natural you can have things that are in you that God is speaking to that nobody can see because it is not yet manifest in the natural, but it is inside of you. Amen. You see, they almost got it right, these Scientology and these gurus and new age, you know. They say everything you need is inside of you. Yes, it really is. God created you that way, but it's only because God is inside of you. Amen. And him being inside of you, it is not of our own ability. It's not of our own talent. It's not what we are able to conjure up or manipulate, but it is the God inside of us that puts in us and gives us everything that we need according to work, the life and to godliness, the scripture says. And so notice God told them to multiply and replenish the earth. Amen. So what did they do? What did they do? We go on to Genesis chapter 11, and it doesn't take them too long. Genesis chapter 11, and it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass that they uh, journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land, and they dwelt there. And then they said to one another, Come, let us make brick and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar and they said come let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heaven so let us make a name for ourselves and let us scatter abroad over the face of the whole earth 
But the Lord came down to see the city of the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one and they have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now nothing that they put purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord scattered them abroad from there all over the face of the earth and they ceased to build the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth from the Lord scattered them abroad over all the face of the earth. So here... In chapter 11, they found something, a place that was felt good to them. God tells them to go and replenish the earth, go all over the earth, but they find them a place of comfort. They find them a plain. They find them what they want, and they begin to build what they want, what they have in their heart. God never told them to go and build a city. He never told them to go and find them a nice, comfortable place and to abide there or to stay there. He said, I want you to scatter out. I want you to cover the earth. And I want you to remultiply the earth. But what did they do? They found a place they liked. Isn't it easy for us to stay where we're comfortable? It's easy for us to find a place of comfort, a place that we feel and our flesh feels good and we want to stay there. But he said, that's not what I've intended for you. That's not what I have in mind for you. And then pride comes in and they said, let's make a name for ourselves. Pride always comes before the fall. And folks today still deal with the same thing. Let's make a name for ourselves. It's the reason why that people self-destruct is because they take on all of, all of the uh, accolades and all of the, the things that men throw upon them. But man was never created to be worshipped. Amen. And whenever man is becomes, begins to be worshipped, they always self-destruct. And are ain't not able to handle worship, but our worship will change man, but our worship will not change God. God will always be the same, and he is the only one that is worthy of our worship. He's the only one that is worthy of our praise. Amen. And so God calls this confusion to come upon their language. He takes their language, their dialect, and breaks it up so they can no longer uh, understand one another. So that they begin to multiply. And as they multiply, they begin to cover the earth. And what God is doing is taking them back to his original intent. That they would subdue, they would multiply, they would subdue, and they would cover the land, and they would replenish the earth. And so God in his infinite wisdom says, if I allow them to stay where they are, then the plan and the purpose of God will not be fulfilled. And so he breaks down their language barrier so that they cannot understand one another. Whenever you can't understand one another, you can't have unity. When you can't speak the same language, you can't have unity. Amen? And Jesus, God, confused their language so that they would begin to scatter out and multiply 
and do what he ordained for them to do. God does not take unity lightly. Unity is one of the most difficult things to get and it's even harder to keep. Amen. I'm going to say it again. Unity is one of the hardest things to get and it's even more hard to keep. And whenever we see in the New Testament, in the early church, the early church was just birthed and it just was given birth to and they began to multiply. The, the, uh, the people were being saved at a greater rate and more people were coming into the kingdom of God and that in the, the, the newborn church was just getting off of the ground and they were in unity. And everything that they put their hands to, it was being blessed and it was being multiplied and they were being added to the church daily, such as please God. Amen. And we see that the early church was on the move. They had great movement they, and a momentum and they were moving forward. And, and, and what, one of the things that goes against my theology, but you know, your theology can, can be messed up sometimes. But because my theology says that God is a God of grace, he's a God of mercy, he's a God of love, that he is a God that is slow to anger, right? And, and all of these things. But we see that um, uh, Ananias and Sapphira come up into this newborn church where unity is abound. And they, uh, the Bible said they all agreed, they were in unity, that they were going to sell everything that they had. They didn't have to do that, but they all agreed to do that in unity and sell all that they had to, to be able to, uh, all things would be in common. And the scripture says that, that Ananias and Sapphira made up something that would bring disunity. Amen. And they came up in the house of God with this disunity. And they said, did you sell the, your land for such and such a price? And they said, yes, we did. And the man of God says, you've not lied to me today. You've lied to the Holy Ghost. And there's men standing at the door to bury you. And they drop dead. Boom. Amen. That's not the God I understand. That's the God of grace, the God of mercy, the God of love. huh? And then Sapphira comes in and he says, did you sell your land for such and such? Yes, this is it. This is what we sold it for. He said, the same uh, people that buried your husbands waiting at the door, they're going to take you out. Boop. Drops dead. That doesn't coincide with anything else in the scriptures that I understand. And the only thing that I come to a conclusion in is this, that God understood how powerful that unity was. And he was willing to allow two to die so that his church could go on in unity. Because it is so hard to come by and it is even more difficult to obtain and continue to go in. 
And so the spirit of disunity was coming to try to disrail the church. And God said, not so. And he canceled that so that the newborn church could continue on in unity, in power, in authority, and continuing to reach the harvest day after day. Amen. They were coming into the kingdom such as pleased him. Now, unity is a powerful thing because in Leviticus chapter 26 and verse number 8, the Bible said, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight and your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. Amen. You see, we're back to talking about the angels here because he said, five of you shall chase a hundred, a hundred what, a hundred angels, a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight and your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. But then in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse uh, 30, he said, how can one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock has sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? surrounded them and so Leviticus says to us if five of us can agree that it will release a hundred angels amen to go and minister and if a hundred of us can get together that 10,000 angels will be released they will go to flight but Deuteronomy picks it up and he says that is in the natural amen but he said if the rock is with you how many know who the rock is the rock that was hewn out of the mountain, the cornerstone, the root of David, the rock that caused water to come out in the middle of a wilderness, the rock Jesus Christ. He said, if the rock is with you, then the power is greater. He said, if the rock is with you, one of you shall chase a thousand, but if you can get someone else to agree with you, 10,000 will be released, praise God. It's the power of unity. Whenever the body of Christ comes together and we agree with the will of God and we agree with the word of God and the purpose of God and the plan of God for our lives and the earth amen he said I'm not going to let you do this in your own ingenuity or your own power or your own ability but I am if you will come into unity I will send angelic force I will send all of heaven and they will back you up praise God I'm telling you today that where there is unity where people will come together and they will join hand in hand faith in faith and believe God there is nothing impossible to them that will believe it isn't that we have to make it happen it's heavens looking for somebody waiting for somebody waiting for a people that'll come into unity and if we'll come into unity he's going to release the angelic forces of heaven to be released upon our lives what are they going to do they're going to go minister to the heirs of salvation they're going to find your son they're going to find your daughter they're going to bring healing to you they're going to bring strength and help and hope into your life why because angels are to minister to the heirs of salvation amen and so all we have to do is unify see God brought back unity amen Man brought discord or disunity, didn't honor and respect the power of unity. And God has to do all of these things to bring man back to a place where that his original intent, because God doesn't set up in heaven playing like Monopoly. 
He doesn't stay set up in heaven saying, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Now I've got to change this up. He always goes, brings us back to the original intent. He doesn't change his mind. And so whenever we come, he brings them back in Acts chapter 2, the Bible said on the day of Pentecost, they were all in unity. They were all in one accord. They were all in one place. And the moment that they got in one accord in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Amen. As a rushing mighty wind, it filled all the place where they were sitting. And the Bible said, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire. Amen. It is a return of the language of heaven. The original language in which they spoke in Genesis. Are you with me? The original language that God gave mankind is now returning back to those who have come into unity. In this New Testament church, they're in one place, one accord, and when they got into unity, there comes a rushing mighty wind. It sets upon all of them as cloven tongues of fire, and the Bible said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak God language. They began to speak in another tongue as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Amen. Well, that utterance just means that God told, gave them the words to say. In other words, it's heavenly language. It's a God language that they began to speak. And wherever there is unity, you can expect God language. Wherever there is unity, wherever people are coming together, you can expect them to speak the heavenly language. And where the, we, what we need desperately in America today is for the church to come into unity. Amen. And not a man's opinions and not the expectations of people and not all of the creativity. Thank God for all the gifts, the talents, the abilities. That's wonderful. But the reality of it is this, my friend, that where there is unity, there will be a release of the sound of heaven the language of heaven what are we going to speak whenever we get to heaven are we going to speak English are we going to speak Spanish are we going to be speaking Portuguese no we're going to be speaking Holy Ghost amen we're going to be speaking the language of heaven and so what we have to do is practice it here. Get into unity and allow the Holy Spirit to flow through our lives so that we can be the instruments of change, so that we can be the instruments that God will use in the earth and we will see his kingdom, his power, and his purpose fulfilled in the earth. Amen. After unity came, the Bible says in Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John began to pray in unity. Now Peter and John went up together, huh? Together to the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And while they were in unity, the Bible declares that they did something they had never done before. First of all, they had been to the upper room and they received this God language. They received heavenly language. And now they were walking in a spirit of unity. And when they got to the sick man, the Bible said that they spoke to him and healed him. And the man that was crippled all of his life, right? For over 38 years, he is crippled all of his life. 
And now unity has returned to this New Testament church. And they go and they begin to speak with to him, not in their own authority, but in the authority of heaven. Amen. And as they spoke with the authority of heaven, they bring healing to this man who has been crippled all of his life. You see, what we need to see today in the kingdom of God is for people to come into unity so that we can do the unexpected, so we can do the unexplained because far too long we've tried to do it on our own but what we need is the unity of the brothers and the sisters. We need the unity of the household of faith of God. We say, God, we may not understand everything, but what we do understand is that we must walk in unity, that we must have the love of Christ, the love for our brother, love for our sister. He didn't even say that we just had to love those who loved us, but he said that we're to pray for our enemies. Amen. And so the the, the reality of it is this, that there is nothing that the body of Christ cannot do when we walk in unity. A church that is in unity heals the sick. A church that walks in unity sets the captive free. A church that is in unity, amen, blesses one another and those who are coming and those who are going. The church that is in unity, amen, sees those who are lost overcome with the love and the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God and they are overtaken in such a way that they understand that this is not a man-made thing. This is not something that's been conjured up by man or manipulated by people, but this agape love, this God-like love that we love one another, that we have unity with one another, it causes there to be a force. There causes there to be a power. They speak differently than the world. They act differently than the world. They respond differently than the world. Why? Because we're walking in a spirit of unity and where there is unity, God commands the blessing. The blessing. What is the blessing? Life. Amen. So many people today are alive but are not living. Even in the church, we're alive but we're not living. Why? Because of disunity. But where there is unity, there is the commanded blessing of life. And I want to say to you today that wherever there is unity, you will find life. Amen. Because death cannot hang out where there is unity. Discord and division cannot hang out where there is unity. People have to make choices and decisions that that says that this is more important than anything else in my life is the kingdom of God being advanced. It's not my opinion. It's not the expectations of people. Amen. But you see, whenever you're younger in life, and I don't claim to be old, right? You understand. But whenever you're younger in life, you want, to, you want the expectations of people. You want the applause of people. 
You, you want people to, it, it means a whole lot more to you that all the applause and the expectations of people, but, but you've got to understand something. Yes, thank God that people will, will love you and appreciate you. But at the end of the day, that's not what it's all about. What it's all about is that we come into an understanding that if I can unify with God's purpose and his plan in my life and the kingdom of God, then there will be a commanded blessing. I don't have to beg for it. I don't have to weep for it. I don't have to say, oh God, please. But it's because I'm walking in a spirit of unity and a oneness of heart, then God is going to begin to work on my behalf and command the blessing to be released. So what is the blessing of unity? Well, number one, angels are working on your behalf. Amen. Whenever you have angels working for you, you don't have to work. All you have to do is worship. Amen. Whenever you have angels working for you, then you've got an angelic host that is greater. Think about it. One angel took out 185,000 men in one night. That's bad. I don't care who you are. That's bad. Superman ain't that bad. Amen. But if an angel has that kind of power and that kind of authority, then he is not only that to destroy, but also to bless. Amen. And he can release a blessing on your behalf. He can work on your behalf for your good. Amen. So that the purpose and the plan of God can be fulfilled in your life. The blessing of unity, where there is unity, there is healing. Amen. Whenever James or Peter and John went to the temple, they just merely spoke to the man. And because of unity being upon their life, healing took place in the man that was outside of the temple. Amen. You see, we've, we've, got, it all, we've got it all messed up in, in our thing today. And we, we think that whenever God and the move of God, and I thank God for what is taking place in the earth and don't take lightly what is happening but we think that whenever God shows up in this last day and this third great awakening takes place that somehow it's going to come to the church and, and just Christians are going to get it but that's not what God said God said in the last day I will pour out my spirit on all flesh black flesh and white flesh Rich flesh and poor flesh. Amen. Saved flesh and lost flesh. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all of them. What, how is that outpouring going to take place? It's only going to take place when the church comes into unity. But when the church comes into unity, how do I know that? Because the Bible said that the heavens must contain him until all things have been restored. What's he talking about? He's talking about the fivefold ministry. Read it in its context. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist will all have to be replaced and come into it, their place in the kingdom of God. And when there is unity in the body, it's going to release the, the sound of heaven. Amen. The anointing and the power of God is going to flow over all flesh. And then they're going to have to decide what to do with it. Amen. And they're going to have to decide what to do with the outpouring.
outpouring of the Spirit. Why? Because the church has come into a spirit of unity. And when they do, there is going to be a wave of His glory, His goodness, His grace, and His mercy that's not just going to come to a few chosen people. It's not going to come just to those who are in unity, but it's going to come on all flesh. And it's a generate multi-generational blessing that your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. All my servants and handmaids, he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days. Amen. And they shall prophesy. What Saul was not even, he was a heathen. But when he got into the presence of the prophets, the anointing came on him and he began to prophesy. Amen. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that God is not waiting for the world to get right. He's waiting for his church to come into unity. And when we come into unity, nothing can stop, nothing can separate, and nothing can hinder the move and the plan and the purpose of God in the earth. Amen. Healing takes place where there is unity. Deliverance from the stronghold takes place where there is unity amen that's the reason God takes it so seriously that's the reason it isn't just something that is haphazard or taken lightly but God says when I can get a people that are in unity then I can pour out my spirit upon all flesh God's waiting for his church to get right Amen. Our issue is we have so many different expectations and opinions of what God wants to do that we're building our little temples and our little cities and our little towers instead of building his kingdom. And the result is, is we're scattered all over the place, but we're scattered to ourselves and isolated to ourselves and there is no glory coming. Because we're building our own city and our own tower. But when we get back to being busy about building his kingdom, it'll be a unified thing where that the kingdom of God and his anointing and his glory will be revealed in every heart and every life. And men, women, boys and girls will have to make a decision what they're going to do with the presence of God. Amen. See... We, 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 I'm almost done, but we make a lot of mistakes because we, we want to label big things, what we call big things, you know, if somebody, if somebody has sin in their life or somebody murders or somebody uh, steals, we, we think, oh, that's so evil. But can I tell you what the Bible said? That the Bible said with the murderer that will have his place in the lake of fire, that the gossiper will be right beside of him. In God's eyes, gossip, complaining is just as bad as murder. And all will have their place in the lake of fire. That doesn't make me happy. But I'm telling you, when we sow discord and we bring division, we'll have a place unless we repent. Amen. Amen. And so it's so far far better for me to hold my tongue and bring unity to the kingdom of God instead of expressing my opinions and my expectations that causes discord and division. 
than to build up, edify the kingdom of God so that there is a spirit of unity so that the anointing can flow over the whole house and not only the whole house but our whole region, our whole nation, and our whole world. Amen. I don't know about you. I don't know how much you've got invested in this thing, but I've got a whole lot invested in this thing. And I'm expecting to be a part of what God is going to do in the last day. And I want to be a part of seeing the spirit of unity come to the house of God, the kingdom of God, so that his kingdom can be built in the earth. His purpose can be fulfilled. Amen. I'm ready to be a part of it, aren't you? Amen. Listen, listen, help me today. Finish, finish up here. Praise, praise God. Where there is unity, there's a commandment. How many know I want to be where the commanded blessing is? Where that life forevermore flows. Where that his purpose and his plan is fulfilled in our lives. Glory to God. 